You may wonder, while I'm up here today, not the pastor, and that's because he had a play date down in uh, Newport Beach with George and a bunch of other pastors and, and all that, so you've got me. I got me, babe. So, it seems like a couple of weeks ago, does anybody have a good New England accent here? Okay, well, just think about this in a New England accent. Uh, researchers for the Massachusetts Turnpike Authority found over 600 dead crows along the highway. They just, boom, they were there. Bird pathologist, he checked out all the crows and, and, and you know, they didn't die from the avian flu or anything. So why did they die? A, um, a, a, an ornithological behaviorist is what it says here. Uh, wanted to look at the birds and find out what was going on, and they examined them and found they had bits of paint on them, on their beak, on their claws, things like that. And they were just uh, really uh, concerned. And so they did more analysis and found out that 98% of the birds that had died, the paint on them was from larger vehicles. And they were going like... I don't know. So they called this other fella in who was really the expert on crows and uh, he explained what happened. These crows had come down from up north from the countryside, not the city. And when crows eat dead stuff on the highway, they always have a lookout crow who... Um, you know, uh, lets them know that vehicles are coming and all that. And what they found out is these country crows uh, would shout, ka, you know, that's what they do. <laughs> but not a single one sh could shout, truck. Okay, I got myself in trouble with that one, didn't I? <laughs> I got to let you know, um, in my life, I've traveled through 26 states doing construction work. In all those states and all those times that I've been at church, I want you to know that I love this church. Uh, it's the most praying, the most caring, the most giving church I've ever been to. And a lot of that goes uh, for Pastor Ian and his teaching and whoever was before him and his teaching. It's pretty awesome. So I just want you to know uh, you guys are doing great. Don't stop because, you know, we want to look at the love of God today. And... Uh, it's a, it's a difficult subject to explain sometimes. 
um, a bit of background. In the Old Testament, to make a covenant, two people to make a covenant together, they would uh, uh, make sacrifices. They'd have a path, and they'd cut animals in half and lay them on each side, and they'd walk through that path together, each explaining their part of the covenant to make sure everybody understood what was going on. Um, and in Genesis 15, 9, it tells us about a covenant that God made. The first eight verses of this section, you know, is God saying, this is what I'm going to give you. And of course, Abram was very excited to know that they were going to make this covenant. And so the Lord said to him, get the animals together, cut them in half, except for the birds, don't do that with them. Abram brought all these, cut them in two, arranged the halves on each side. And then birds of prey came around and he chased them off. He's waiting for God to show up. And as the sun is setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. Bible says a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And then the Lord repeated it. He said, know that for, for certain that 400 years, for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own. They will be enslaved and mistreated, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. Abram was asleep through all this. Bible goes on to say, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. You see, God made the covenant Abram just had to, cool, just watch it. God does that in our lives. He didn't walk through with them. I think that's, uh, that's just an amazing look at what God does for us. How much we have to do for God to keep his covenant with us. And so that promise was in place, and then a few years later, in Genesis 22, we read that Abram, Abraham, as he's called now, is told to sacrifice his son. Wow. Abram takes Isaac, his son, up, does all the preparations. Isaac's getting a little worried because they ain't they don't have anything to sacrifice. And he says, Dad, what's going on? Now, I'm paraphrasing a lot, okay? I just want you to know that. Um, but Abraham ties him up, puts him on, is, is just bringing the knife up to plunge it into his son, and God said, stop. He said, now I know 
that you reverence me, you fear me. When we pick it up in verse 16, he says, God said, I swear by myself. Now, how many people have you ever heard say, I swear to God, man. God doesn't need to do that. He is God. He says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, here comes another covenant, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed him. Wow. God makes those great covenants, doesn't he? You know, when God tells us what to do, we can't make deals with him. We can't say, okay, God, I'll do that, but you got to do this. I spent time in the military, and when there's bullets flying around, and you hear the guy next to you going, come on, God, if you'll get me out of this, I will serve you forever. And 10 minutes later, they forget that. You know, when the bullets stop, they're not doing their part. But God always does his part. And what does is, what is God want us to do in return? Matthew twenty two thirty seven says this. Jesus replied, and he's answering, what, what, what must we do? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What does that mean for us? A Christian's life should be bound up in love. That's love for our families. It's love for our church family. It's love for the people in our community. It's love for the strangers in our community. It's love for that little rotten kid, I'm sorry, that little kid that stole my tools out of the bathroom. We need to love everybody. So let's look at this concept of God's love. God makes the deal. We are to love. And for the love of God is a title here. It's because as a small child, I was inquisitive, mischievous, always kind of in trouble, always exploring the world and, and, and taking things apart that I shouldn't take apart. See how they work? Like maybe I should have unplugged the toaster before I took it apart, you know? Um, and my mother saying so many times to me, Calvin Leslie Palmer, for the love of God, what are you doing? So I knew about the love of God. <laughs> I didn't understand it, but I knew about it. 
So let's take a look at this. Human love in the dictionary is defined as strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties, maternal love for a child, a strong feeling of affection and concern for another, uh, often accompanied by sexual attraction, affection and tenderness felt by lovers, and a quote, after all these years, they are still very much in love. But man, we use that word kind of crazy today. I remember that song, I love my truck, it's right outside. Anybody remember that? No country western fans here? I'm not anymore, it just you know, happened a long time ago. But uh, I hear it, I love my dog. On a TV show, people die. And it's, but what about the dog? You know, we love animals more than people, maybe. I love my life. I love pizza. I love a tree. I love flowers. I love the mountain view. I love this and I love that. It gets a little crazy, doesn't it? There's so many things that we use the word love for that really is far beyond any definition that we have for love. Wait, I can't love pizza? No, I can't use that word. It's important that we understand as Christians that words have specific meanings. They're not what we want them to mean. They mean what they mean. And there's so many computer programs out there. If you want to look something up, you can very easily. Just look it up. It's going to tell you. And when we have verses like uh, 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Well, I love my dog. Does that count? No. No. You see, a big part of the problem we have with, with modern English is we have one word for love. In biblical times, it was a little different. In the Old Testament, the Jews had their choice of 10 words for love, describing different aspects of it. And some things maybe not so nice, not appropriate for church, shall I say. Some things that very much were. And in the New Testament times, they had seven words to use for love. And I'm not going to go through them, but I want to focus on just a few of them today. Understand that God's love is very, very different than our love. God doesn't stop loving because we make a mistake. Wait a minute. Let me put it bluntly. God doesn't stop loving us when we sin. He still loves us. Two of the, two of the words I want to talk about today are in this passage, Deuteronomy 7. The Lord did not set his affection on you or choose you because you were more numerous than other people's. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath that he swore to your ancestors. 
Now, this is like 900 years, 1,000 years after he made that. But it's still going on. He brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations who love him and keep his commandments. There's two words we want to talk about. Oh, wait a minute. Do you know how long a thousand generations is? Pop quiz, Pastor. How many is a thousand, years is a thousand generations? 20,000, 25,000. Yeah, it depends on what scholar you believe. But the average is 33,000 years. Now, I can't say I'm going to love you tomorrow. But God can say he's going to keep that covenant of love. Probably a little hyperbole here, you know, 33,000 years. I think that we could all depend on that. It's only been about 16, 1800 years since he said this. So we got a long way to go. Anyway, two words for love in this passage. Ahabva. I hope I said that right. Is the one used in to those who love me and keep, uh, love him and keep his commandments. Um, and it deals mainly with love for families, within families, within groups. Now, we're all a family, right? Does anybody in our family ever fight, argue? have disputes, not get along, but we're still a family. <laughs> Who said yep? <laughs> it doesn't deal with stuff. I love my truck. Oh, I'm sorry. I love my chariot. You know, it doesn't deal with that. Although on one time it talks about loving a meal, but um, and then the last part, those who are uh, keeping his covenant of love. Now that's a big deal. The Hebrew word is hesed. Pastor was wondering when I get to that word. But you can say it's translated as mercy, compassion, love, grace, steadfast love, kindness, loving kindness, goodness, mercy, faithfulness, and some other things throughout the Bible. So all those word, words might kind of summarize this, but don't really get to the bottom of it. You see, hesed is not an emotion or feeling, but it involves action on behalf of someone who's in need. Now, is there anybody in this church who is not in need? Nobody here is, I don't have any needs at all. You see, we all have needs, don't we? And they're all different. My wife's been out of town for a week. I have a need for her to get home. Um, 
but she's down there with new baby any moment and things like that, our new grandchild, so. Hesed describes a sense of love and loyalty that should inspire merciful and compassionate behavior toward another person or another people. It shouldn't be all about us in our thinking. It should be about other people. Hesed is not a response to beauty, uh, sensuality, or anything like that. It doesn't depend on whether the other person is lovable or not. In the book of Numbers, Moses, when Moses interceded for the people, he appealed to God's hesed. When, he, when God was sitting in front of him, he was giving this information. Moses took it down to the people but here's what the Lord said. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in hesed, and forgiving sin and rebellion in accordance with... Um, and then Moses says, in accordance with your great love, hesed, forgive the sin of these people just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. Wow. Acts of hesed are always performed freely. They don't expect anything in return. If I do something for Bruce, Mike's not here, so I can pick on him today, uh, George, Renee, I can't expect anything back. And it is always a verb. And for you folks from Albuquerque, that means it's, a, it's an action word. Okay? And it's not a taking from verb. It's not I want that. It is a giving verb. I will give you. I will watch over you. I will take care of you. And it's usually given from a position up here to a person in a position here or here, someone in need, someone who's hurting. This term hesed lets us know that God will not forsake us. He will always be there for us. In our depths of despair, in our joys, in our trials, even when we receive his discipline. We receive his discipline like any loving father would give. But with God, it's with Hesed. It's with great concern. It's with great love. You need to correct this action in your life. So enough about Hesed. Let's move to the New Testament. God does not change. He didn't change between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was God the Father. Now we're dealing with God the Son, but God the Father's in there, kind of. And, and if you think about it, God's act of forgiveness, the gospel and salvation in Jesus is all rooted in this, this Old Testament word, hesed. You see, his forgiveness of sin 
fulfills the greatest need that we all have. That our sins are forgiven. It's the restoration and continuing continuation of fellowship with God that's important. How many of you start your day thinking, yeah, I don't need God today? None of us do. It's more like, God, <laughs> today's another day and I need you more today than I did yesterday. So what, so the question might be, what should the Greek words in the New Testament compare with hesed? Hmm, which ones? Well, none of them actually. But a few come close. And that's why it's so important we go back and study hesed in the Old Testament. That's the most we'll know about God's love. But we can get close in the New Testament. We have the word agape. Anybody ever heard that word before? Yeah, most of us have. It's got a bunch of related words. I was up very late last night going through and looking at scholars and what they said about agape. Most of them disagree. And that's the weird thing, man. You know, well, it means this in this situation, but it only means this in this situation. You know what? It's love. And it's important always. It's got some um, related words that go with it. You know, agape, once again, for you in Albuquerque, that's a verb, an action word. It's a one-way form of love from God to people most of the time. There's agapeteos, it's beloved, God to mankind, 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 you are my beloved son, but I'm going to discipline you because I love you. And then there's agapeo. Most scholars said this was a love of reason and intellect, had nothing to do with emotion. And all those are elements of this Old Testament word hesed. And then we got phileo or phileo or lots of ways to Philadelphia. Think of that. City of brotherly love, right? That's basically what we want to look at. It's friendship. It's the love used to describe how I feel about it's a commercial a long time ago where a guy is sitting there and he goes, I love you, man. Remember that? That's what this is about. The people that we love. And most of the guys I've worked with in this church or dealt with and come to know in this church, I feel that way about them. And the guys I haven't met yet or worked with yet, I feel that way about them. They're part of my family. It's a love of belonging, of friendship. It's a love like we have for brothers and sisters uh, because of our likenesses. 
And it's also the love we have for other people because of our differences. Back in the day, that amazed the non-believers. Bottom line, if we love at all, it's because he first loved us, loved us. And then what are we to do with that love? Hold it in and don't let it go? Hello? That's pretty cool. <laughs> no, we're to give it away. Give it to everybody. You see somebody in need, help them. Somebody needs something that you have, let them have it. God gave you the first thing. He's going to get it, give the other, a new thing back to you if you really need it. And my wife keeps saying to me, do you really need all those tools? <laughs> yes, baby, I do. Remember that Jesus embodied Hesed in the New Testament. That great, great, great love of God, that overpowering love of God. As God's children, we're, we're free because we can have confidence in the Father's love. He'll take care of us. He'll provide safety for us. And remember that this is God's world. It's not ours. <gasps> climate change. Well, from what I understand, the climate's been changing since God created the earth. You know? Um, and if I've stepped on somebody's toes, I'm sorry. But, you know, it's been changing. This is our Father's world. He knows all, he loves, he takes care of us, he guides us, and whatever our station in life, we are what we are because of him. He put us in the place. Like Jesus said, or Paul said, you know, not everybody's a hand, not everybody's an eye. We're all different, and we all work together for the love of God. And I'll leave you with this, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And we need to have it and share it every chance we get.